So my name's Clint Harrison. I'm the campus and teaching pastor at our Avita location. And we moved here about four years ago and we absolutely love Grace. We love this church. We love the culture, the leadership. We love our area, our community. And so just a little bit about us. We meet in Indian Trails Middle School. Uh, we have two services, 9:15, 10:45, and we are growing like y'all are at all campuses. We're growing. We're seeing people take their next step towards Christ. We're seeing families healed. We're seeing people go from darkness to light. They're taking their first step towards Christ. We're seeing God move. It's an awesome time to be at Grace. And so, a little bit about me and my family. I'm a dad of four girls, and they are beautiful and wonderful, and a lot all the time. And uh, so, yeah, love them. My wife's name is Jean. Uh, maybe you've seen her teach at a women's event. She's our Grace staff writer. My wife is amazing. As a matter of fact, we were at Chick Fil A recently together. We showed up, and this guy goes, "Hey." Yeah, yeah, I've heard you preach in Orlando a couple of times. And he goes, I go to the Orlando campus. And he goes, but your wife's my favorite, man. <laughs> I was like, I hear you, bro. She's awesome. She's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know if y'all have seen the videos lately, uh, but we just obtained Grace Oviedo offices, which is huge for us. Big deal. Thank you, thank you for your generosity. So it's over 5,000 square feet, 3,300 square feet of office space, 1,800 square feet of ministry space. So it gives us the ability to have grace counseling, grace students, classes for us to gather together. It's, it's amazing. It's like 200 yards from our campus. We're so, so grateful. So thanks for giving at the Christmas offering and helping us get this space. Huge praise. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna dive in. Father, we just acknowledge right now that you are in this room. God, that you're moving and working. We just sang that. We believe that. We believe that you're still speaking, that you still change lives, that you still bring healing and hope and wholeness and help in our lives. And so God, we're asking, Father, that we would recognize your presence today and that we would hear your word and be changed forever. We recognize also, God, that there are people in this room who are hurting and they need healing and help and hope. God, would you meet them? Would you meet them here and give them hope? We love you in Jesus' name, amen. So we are in our second week of our series, Unfiltered, Healing the Hidden Self. And so if you weren't with us, I'm just gonna reintroduce this whole theme for you. So there's, if you're on Instagram or, or TikTok, you've probably seen this before. It's a reel, reel's a video. And here's the idea. It's, it's, it's like this, Instagram versus reality. Instagram versus reality. I heard a couple of Snickers, some of y'all have seen it. So here's the picture. There's, it's this video of this idyllic, serene, beautiful place, whether it's one of the seven wonders of the world or the Eiffel Tower, and there's this really attractive person, and they're the only person at this location. And it's showing them, and it looks amazing. You're like, I want to be there, and there's this amazing music, right? And everything's just falling right. The sun is setting, and you're like, I want her life. I want to be her. I, I want to be there. This is amazing. And then it says, reality in the real. And it's the person posting it. And it's them in the same exact location. And it's not one person. It's like 5,000 people that are around you and you're crowded and you're doing this to kind of see the waterfall. And you're like, is it over there? I can't really tell. You know, and it's raining. There's no sunset. There's no music going on. And that's reality. But here's the deal. So many of us see the reels, 
see the filters, see the posts, see the photos, see the people, see the things, and we go, that must be reality. I mean, as a matter of fact, I had a guy who's, he just turned 30 and he came up to me and he goes, Clint, I, I get it. It's not real, but it sure feels real to me. I'm single. I'm struggling at my job. Like I'm barely making it. And that life looks so real to me. It does. I mean, for me, if you're around my age, a little older, a little younger, you grew up with commercials, right? I mean, you grew up and it was like a beer commercial. Oh, I want that life. Or, or a cruise liner commercial. And you're like, oh, that would be a really cool life. But here's the thing. I never once thought that was real life. These were done by professionals, right? What is it today? Man, it's all the time. It is so prevalent and in your face that it's just like, this must be, this must be true. Like it's everywhere. It's so constant all the time. This, this, I, I want this life. I want to look like that person. Let me just tell you when it hit home for us. So I told you I have four daughters, okay? My daughter, who's now 10, had her nine-year-old doctor checkup, like a well checkup. You know, they check out like height, weight, everything, and tell you you're doing okay or not. And so, you know, when you go, they give you milestones. And so, you know, if you show up, they would say like, hey, from zero to like three, you know, make sure parents, you put all the chemicals up, and you're like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that, you know. And then, you know, four to seven, they're like, hey, parents, make sure your kids wear a helmet. And you're like, you know, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And so in case they ride their bikes. So nine years old, we get there, well check up. They check her height, her weight, everything's good. The doctor stops, leans in and says, hey, Heidi, I just want you to know there's gonna be people who take photos and that's not really what they look like. They're called filters. And my wife was sitting there going like, what is happening? Like, what's going on? And she goes, listen, they're, they're called photos and that's not really their life. And they don't really look like that. And so you're gonna see it a lot, but don't be discouraged. Those are just their lenses, their filters. And my, and my Heidi's going, okay. You know, like that kind of thing. And so then the doctor took my wife aside and she goes, here's the deal. We're seeing an uptick, literally a trend right now, where nine-year-olds are having body dysmorphia. It's this mental disorder that they see so much, so often. It's so prevalent in their lives. They see these beautiful people all the time, their friends and everything, that they go, well, I don't look like that. What's wrong with me? And they start to feel insufficient. They feel insecure, almost to the where it blunts their relationships in their school, at their sports team where they don't want to achieve anymore. I mean, it's, it's like a real thing. And we're sitting there going like, oh my gosh, like, wow, this is crazy. And some of y'all are going like, you know what? I'm not a kid and I feel it too. Like I'm an adult and it's just so constant. I feel like everybody else's life is just better and they look better and they have more. But, but maybe you're in the room and augmented rea- reality, AR is not your struggle. Like you don't get on TikTok or Instagram and go, oh, I should look like them. Why isn't my life like that? It's just not your struggle. But I'll bet, because I think all of humanity deals with this, that your struggle is this because it's mine as well. I'll bet that when you hit pain and shame and guilt, poor choices, trauma, and can we even call it sin in your life? that you want to 
put that reality aside, that pain aside, that trauma aside, that hurt aside, and you want to run for your life. You want to create an alternate reality. You don't wanna face your true self, your true situation, and so you create this facade and you hide. And we all do it on some form or fashion. We hide and we hide and we hide. And as we jump into the book of 1 John, we need to recognize that when we avoid pain, we avoid reality. Scotty Smith, he's, he wrote a devotional on the book of 1 John. If you want an amazing devotional on 1 John, pick up Scotty Smith's devotional. Like it has changed the way I read the book. But he has this quote, and this is what he says. He says, those who see Jesus most unfiltered are most undone. So I wanna tell you a story in my life because this, this holds this idea about how we hide and we run from pain. I am my personality. I want nothing but fun, joy, happiness all the time. I wanna smile every minute of my life. That's what I wanna do. And I want to run from pain when now my wife, Jean, when I met her in college, we got engaged, okay? And when we got engaged, I realized, oh, I got a lot to tell her. I lived a crazy life a lot of trauma, a lot of brokenness, a lot of bad choices, lots of relationships. And I just said, you know what? If we're gonna do this together, she needs to know who I am and where I came from and why I do some of the things that I do. And so I said, hey, sweetheart, I wanna share some things tonight with you. And I didn't wanna do it. I was running from it. I was sweating it, praying, asking, should I do this? You know. And so I sit in the car, we're literally in the car and we're facing each other. And I said, what I'm about to tell you, and I, I found myself getting emotional. And I started to say, hey, listen, if we're gonna do this, I'm gonna have to, I literally did a 180 and I faced the window as I unraveled the brokenness in my life with my now wife. And it was so hard, it was so hard. And I remember as I was walking through, I was thinking, man, this, and the reason why I didn't wanna look at her is because I knew it was gonna hurt her. I knew it hurt God. I felt shame and guilt over it. And there was just so much to unpack about why and what and all the things. And so, but what I found out is, is as I started to share, do you know what happened? I started to like kind of etch this way. And then about halfway through, I'm facing her. And we're crying together. You know what took place? We're bringing all of our junk out. She started to share too. We're bringing all of it under the light of Christ. And we're saying, this is who we are. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be somebody that we're not. And so we're crying, we're praying, and we're like, no, no, we're in this together. And, and can I just be honest, it wasn't easy. Some of the things that I said, I probably shared too much at times. It hurt my wife so much that she dealt with things in the future for a couple of years. Now Jesus is healed. And man, we, we don't look back at that and go, that was a bad thing. No, no, we look at it as God, this is who we are. Would you shape us? Would you heal us? Would you heal our hidden self that other people don't know about? And so today as we continue in the book of 1 John, there's gonna be things in this letter, listen, that are gonna be painful. And when you read them, when you hear them, you are going to want to run or act as if that's not your reality. And I'm encouraging you to lean into God, to lean into Jesus and to say, would you heal me? I don't wanna hide. I don't wanna live a false self, have a false reality. I wanna live an unfiltered life and let Jesus heal my hidden self. So that's where we're headed today as we jump into 1 John. Here's the big idea. God's light reveals who we are 
and where we're going. God's light reveals who we are and where we're going. Let's jump in. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I want you to hear this. This verse is the key verse of the entire letter. Many would argue that what he's doing is he's setting up who God is and everything that he says after in this letter is a response to who God is. God is light. God is light and in him is no darkness. There is There is no one like him. God is light. And because of who God is, man, everything that we do is based off of him. Everything. I was meeting with a guy recently. He um, just was recently divorced. He's not a believer. And we're sitting over lunch and he's like, hey man, we're friends. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. And so he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't know Jesus, but he's, he's asking me as his friend, you know, hey, what do I do here? And I go, well, what's going on? He goes, Clint, I, I like, I'm the guy who loves life. Like at my job, I'm smiling all the time. And he goes, I want that life. He, he's very, like, I, he just likes joy and happiness. And he's like, I'm generally that way. Ever since my divorce, man, he goes, I literally go to work and I get home and I cry all night because I feel alone and I feel lost and I don't know what to do. And he said, man, it's so bad that like, I don't want to get up to go to work. I, I don't, I don't want to do anything. I just feel stuck. And he's looking at me. He's like, so what do I do? You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, let's talk. Let's talk over lunch. Right. And I go, I go, listen, man, I'm going to give you some practical things. We've got grace counseling. Okay. Love for you to jump into that. You need to be a part of a community. So our, our church is here for you. You need to join a small group. You need to come in here, encouraging words from the word of God weekly. And I'm giving them all these practical things and I just stopped after I said all that. And I said, but you need to hear this. You can do all this stuff and they're really good. But if you miss Jesus, you miss it all. You can feel better about yourself. You can get better sleep at night. Maybe you'll stop crying. But if you miss God in all of this, because he's the hope, he's the cure, he's the healer, he's the one. So don't turn elsewhere. You need to turn to God. And I was sitting there pleading with him. He's like, I know, man, I know I need to. I know I need to. And that's the story for us. God is light. There's no one like him. He's the hope. He's the source. He's the center. He's all of it. And so the rest of this letter is based on who God is. It says that in him is no darkness. Listen, here's the reason why this is so important. If we don't know that God is light and in him is no darkness, we don't know who we are and we don't know where we're going. We have no idea. We don't have the purpose because he's the creator of it all. He made us. He knows what's best for us. If we're turning to other things than the light, God himself, we're gonna miss it. In him, I love this, is no darkness. The traditional way of understanding this is spiritual. God is perfect. He's holy. He's good. In him is no darkness. And that's amazing. I'm gonna look at it from another angle. Think about the concept of darkness. He's light. He doesn't get lost. He's not trying to come up with answers. God never 
doesn't know what to do. It's not like you come and you hit a problem and you say, hey, God, what do I do? And he goes, I don't know. I'm walking in the dark over here. Like, I don't know what's going on. I, I really don't know if you should do that. That's a new one for me. No, no, no. God is light. He's always knows what to do. He always knows where to go. He knows all things, sees all things, holds all things in his hands. God is light and in him is no darkness. I remember learning this in Greek when I was taking classes in Greek. They literally set down all these manuscripts and it was this verse. And many of the manuscripts said it this way. God is light and in him is no darkness, no darkness, no darkness, no darkness at all. He's perfect. I want you to think about this. Why do we walk in darkness at times? Why are we lost at times? Oftentimes it's because we have ill motives. We can't see straight because we have all these motivations that aren't right. God doesn't have that. He's light. He has clarity, perfect clarity. When I go, all right, when should my daughters get a phone? When should they date? What school should they go to? There's perfect clarity in God. I've got all these motives about when and why and how. And God's saying, no, 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 look to me. James 1 says that when you're in a trial, you turn and ask God for wisdom. And guess what? He will give it. Why? Because he does not walk in darkness. He knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing. He created it all. God is light. All right, so now we're gonna see, John's gonna give us five if statements, you're gonna see them as we go through each verse. Here's the first one. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Interesting, this word fellowship, you know what it means in the New Testament? Assent to a common purpose. That's what it means. Think about Acts chapter two is the first church. What do they do? They fellowship, the text says, together. And what does that look like? They come under one name, one Lord, one baptism, one purpose, and they gather in their homes and they hear the word of God and they eat together and they share their possessions with anyone in need. They had a common purpose. They were together. That's what fellowship means. So look at this. If we say we have Assent to a common purpose, right? With him, if we're aligned with God, if we say we're in alignment with God, that we're close to God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He's saying we're inconsistent. Now, some of you are gonna hear that because you're law-abiding citizens, right? And you're gonna go, well, I do that all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm lying and I'm not practicing the truth. Maybe, but I'm gonna say it a different way. Fellowship with God doesn't mean living perfectly. It means living honestly. Did you hear that? Fellowship with God doesn't mean living perfectly. It means living honestly, that you're honest with God, that you're honest with yourself, that you're honest with others. You're not living a false life. And so if you're saying that you have alignment and you're under the same purpose as God, you're close with God, then your life should follow it. But that doesn't mean that you do it right all the time. As a matter of fact, it means we fail often. So the scriptures show constant failure all the time, it feels like, but that Jesus is enough and that we actually care about God. This is talking about the person who says with their mouth, hey, I'm close to God, but I have really no regard for him and my life shows it. 
I walk in darkness. I don't look to God for anything, but I claim that I'm close to him. And he's saying, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to God. That's not your reality. I think of my, listen, talking about failure and mess ups. I had a mentor when I was in ministry. I went through a really dark time. He took me and my wife, him and his wife. They met with us. They coached us through all. It was amazing. Well, the, the cards turned. <clears throat> he showed up. He was an elder at our church. And he said, hey, he's talking to all the elders. He goes, I got to tell y'all something. My daughter-in-law, who's 18, who lives with us, it's her senior year. She's about to move out of our house. She said, I'm leaving all this. I'm not coming to church. I want to get out of here. I love you guys, but I'm out. And you know what he started to do? He started to unravel the bad decisions that he made in his life and how he wished he had done some things differently and how he's crying and weeping over the fact that his daughter-in-law wants to move out now and how he doesn't know what to do. And he, he feels broken right now. And he said, guys, I'm just bringing this because this is my real story and I don't wanna hide this from you. And I was sitting there going like, I have so much respect for this guy and he's just bearing it all. He's not trying to hide it. He's not trying to run from it. He's saying, hey guys, I don't know what to do. Would you pray with me? And then he turned and he said something that just blew my mind. He goes, you know what I think God's trying to tell me is that I need to let it go and that she's 18 years old. And if she leaves, I have to believe in a God that is big enough that he will take care of her. And also that he will take care of me because I feel shame as an elder that my daughter's leaving my home right now. And he said, I, I, it's so hard for me, but I have to believe in a God who loves me enough that other people, whatever they think about me and whatever they think about our situation, that I'm being honest before God and I'm being honest before you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be who I am in Christ. God's light reveals who we are and where we're going. That's what he does. You see, Christians don't follow darkness. They don't walk in the darkness. They live in the light, which means we don't hide our true selves. We don't run from pain or walk in another reality. We are who we are in Christ and Jesus is enough. We are honest with ourselves and others and God. So I just wanna ask you, are you being honest with God? Does he truly, he does know who you are, but are you revealing to him who you are? Are you bearing your soul to him? When's the last time you were honest with God, with others? Are you living your true life, your true self with others? Verse seven, here's another if statement. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have, there's that word fellowship. We have this common purpose with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So here's the picture, God is light. We're connected to God. We have fellowship with God. And when we have fellowship and we are in alignment with God, guess what? We are in alignment with other believers. Here's a quick challenge. Has that shape your dating life? Has that shaped the way that you live with other Christians? Are you in alignment? Or, or do you have the same purpose, the same goal, the same hope, the same dreams as God light in your relationships? Because you know what? That's a really beautiful statement. It says that it doesn't matter our background, our situation, our status, our money, our whatever, the way we vote. We, those are all secondary. We have a common purpose is to help people take their next step towards Christ. So he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. We need this more now than ever. 
We need a united front for Jesus. We do. People need to know that we aren't talking about all the secondary things. We're talking about Jesus and that he's the center of all that we do. That's why Pastor Mike talks all the time about this place being a sanctuary, that the church will be a place of hope and life and wholeness. That's the picture. But I love this, this next statement. He's talking about fellowship between believers. And then he, he just, he throws this in there. It almost feels like, and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. That's amazing. But what is he trying to say? I think he's trying to say, let me give you an example. I wrote an email, I was doing emails exchanges between a coworker at Grace. And on the last email, I sent a snarky remark, okay? And right as I wrote it and I hit send, sometimes I just fire them off. You ever do that? You just fire it off. You're like, oh man, why did I say that? What was that? Man, that was so mean. And so literally I fired it off and I was like, yeah. And I was like, no, I was like, why did I do that? And so I immediately got super convicted. The Holy Spirit was just all over me. Like, hey, what was the motivation behind that comment? What do you mean by that? And I, I just immediately wrote again another email and I was like, hey, I'm so sorry I said that. Here's what I was thinking. I shouldn't have said it. I apologize. Person wrote back and goes, hey, uh, no big deal. I would have said it too. <laughs> like, you know what the picture is? We give each other grace. We give each other grace. And, and you know what else? Jesus is enough. Can I say it this way? Fellowship with others isn't living perfectly, but living honestly. Hey man, I messed up. I'm sorry. Hey, I forgive you, bro. We're good. We're good. And, and the rest of it, if somebody doesn't say, hey, we're good, it's in Jesus's hands. It says that he's covered our sins. We don't have to continually look at ourselves and go, we're not enough. As a matter of fact, how many of you in this room are overthinkers? Please don't raise your hand. I didn't mean to do that. Don't raise your hand. First hour last, last yesterday, it was like, everybody's like, hey, me. But how many of you are overthinkers? Like you have this inner critic that is constant all the time. Like when you're talking to people in groups and you're like, why'd I say that? I can't believe I just said that. And then you're reeling about the thing that you said and it blunts your relationships. It even, it, it slows you down at your job because you have this inner critic that never goes away. There's this TV show that Gene and I watch together. I'm not recommending it, but it's this woman who starts this radical career, okay? And her inner critic is so overwhelming as she talks to people that I was just like, how do, you, how do you do this? Like, how do you operate? How do you continue? I mean, it was like everything, everybody that she talked to, you're so stupid, why would you say that? You look terrible, I can't believe, why are you wearing that? I mean, it was just all the time. And I was sitting there like, how do you do this? It was to the point in the show where she was like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this any longer. It's crazy. Here's the picture. Bring all of that at the feet of Jesus and say, hey, I feel like I'm not enough all the time. Jesus, would you heal me? Would you shape me? Would you change my thinking? Because you're more than enough. I don't have to think this way anymore. I don't have to overthink every conversation because the blood of Jesus covers all of my sin. You feel that? You see that? You don't have to be the inner critic because Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. God is light and in him is no darkness. He does not want darkness for you anymore. You don't have to walk in it. 
We fellowship one another, not perfectly, but honestly. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we declare ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's really interesting. I had a, I had a girl that I dated in high school and I saw her again in college at UGA. Any UGA fans? No, that's her. I heard one. I heard one, one. I'll take it. I'll take it. So anyways, uh, I'm at UGA. I'm visiting her. She's in college. I'm in college somewhere else. And uh, I go, hey, how are you doing? I'm not kidding. Like fourth line in. She goes, I'm doing great. As a matter of fact, I haven't sinned in six months. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, great start. You know, like awesome. And it was crazy to me. And I was almost thinking like, I was like, isn't that statement like a sinful statement? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's crazy. Like I was sitting there going like, how do you, okay. But look at this verse. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We are, what he's saying is, we are way more broken than we even understand. We are. We're way more broken than we even understand. So I just wanna ask you, do you have self-awareness? Are you aware of who you are? Like before God. Because he's saying, if you say you don't have any sin, or, or maybe, let me say it a different way. Maybe you don't talk like that, but you just think you're good enough. Like, hey, I don't really need Jesus. I don't really need God. I kill it at my job. Things are good. He says, if you don't have self-awareness, you're deceiving yourself. If you don't recognize that you're broken and in need, you're missing the mark. You're missing the picture and the story of God. Scotty Smith, I'm gonna bring him up again. He, he talks about this in his devotional. And he, he breaks it down in three ways, law, anti-law, and gospel. So law being legalism, I'm gonna take the law and I'm gonna, whatever I do in my life, I'm gonna do it so that I can be right with God or just be good as a person. So that would be the law. The anti-law is antinomianism. And it's this idea that we don't really care about holiness or growth or responsibility of personal sin. We just, we just live because we're loved by Jesus. So those are two kind of polar opposites. And then there's the gospel, which we'll get into in just a second. But here's the first distortion, the law distortion. And it says, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, I don't mess up big compared to most people, I hope. Right? You ever feel like that? Like I'm doing pretty good compared to most people, most of the time, I, I think, right? And you kind of base your relationship with God and others off of what you do. It's a distortion. And then there's the anti-law distortion. And it says, I prefer not to think of it as sin. I want to dilute it. I, I, there's a lot of gray. As a matter of fact, everything's gray, okay? So there's a lot of gray in life. I prefer not to think of it as sin, which sounds too accusing and condemning. I just need to learn more and grow in spiritual enlightenment. We'll be good. God's love is enough. It covers all. I don't really need to you know, take personal responsibility for things. What's the, what's the answer? It's the gospel. And it says this, I need a big rescue. Can I just stop right there and say, I don't need a life coach. If you're a life coach in here, praise the Lord. Life coaches are awesome, but a life coach can't save you right? I need a big rescue, a big one. He says, I need more than a little enlightenment. I need a resurrection from my deadness. I need to go from death to life. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. That's the remedy. And that leads us into our verse nine. And he says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. This is pointing back to the character of God again. He says, listen, if you confess your sins, God, his character, he's light. He doesn't walk in darkness. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. You know what that says? When you confess your sins to God, he says that he'll forgive you. When you confess your sins to God, he says he'll cleanse you. Who in here, you need forgiveness. You need cleansing. You need to meet with God again. It's been a long time for some of you. Maybe you haven't talked to God in a while, but here's the picture. This is written to believers, and I love this. In Christianity, we believe that Jesus came, lived a life that we could never live, a perfect life, died the death that we deserve to pay for our sins on a cross, rose on the third day, overcoming death, sin, Satan. Everybody who believes in Jesus is saved and forgiven. And what does that mean? Our past, our present, and our future sins are wiped away, right? But then he writes to believers and he says, confess your sins and I'll forgive you and cleanse you. What does that mean? It means relationally on earth, we need a connection with God. And he wants to say, hey, if you're struggling, confess, come to me and I'm gonna forgive you where you can feel it and know it. I'm gonna cleanse you where you can feel it and know it. And so if you're here today, what we're about to do is we're about to corporately confess together. And then we're gonna individually confess our sins to God. And then we're gonna receive communion. So I wanna encourage you in this moment to go to God, to reveal your true self, to confess your sins and to find forgiveness and cleansing. Father, we thank you that you are light and that in you is no darkness. And that because of you are light, God, that we know who we are before you and that we know where we are going because you are God. And so Father, I pray for the people in the room who they haven't been walking with you and they, they wanna come back to you. God, you say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and find rest. God, will we find rest in you as we confess and as we look to you for healing. In Jesus' name, amen.